Welcome to Nightlight, our home movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knights. Alongside me, we got David. What up, Spook Kids? Spook Kids! Also known as Nightlight, or Nightly, excuse me. My apologies. My apologies. <gasps> wow. Other than there, we do got Nighty Night, also known as Freddy. Mm-hmm. Always keeping that spoopy. <laughs> and don't you forget it, Prince. <laughs> also known as Nighty Night. We are a group of nights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down, discuss the ultimate question. Had to swallow. Why horror? <laughs> <laughs> so hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. And yes, for the people who want to shout it out all the time, we got another message about it. I know. It's envelope. Yes, I say envelope. <laughs> yes, I understand that. Please stop messaging me about Wait, it. Wait, break it down. What do you mean? <laughs> what did I miss? So uh, I've been getting messages and Freddie has been getting messages about me saying envelope instead of envelope when I mean envelope, like uh, darkness envelops around Because you. we deliver that great content, it's envelope. <laughs> I've never noticed. Yeah, wow. I, I did notice after the second week we started the show. Yeah. And, uh, I would get nervous and I would trip <laughs> up. So I just kept it. Got and it. I was just like, I don't want to be like a year into the show trying to change it to be like, I corrected myself. <laughs> so there you go, everybody. There's the quick explanation. There you have it. Yes, I understand what I'm saying. This is a start to an episode, all right. Yes, it is. You can still support the show over at patreon.com slash goodnightlife. That's like with a word. At least we got that right. By pledging on Patreon, you will have access to the show ad-free and as early as Monday with a post-show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, continuing things with our two years stuck in this shit (laughs) month. Wow. Also known as our Pandemic Horror Month. This month has so far been a lot of fun. It has. Surprise, surprise. David's been here for everything. Motherfuckers, man! I've been here for half. <laughs> what a, what a big surprise! <laughs> but no, this has honestly been a fantastic month. Started off with Contagion, which wow, uh, that was a long episode. I, I'm still thinking about it, even like three weeks later. <laughs> me too, actually. Yeah. Was that your first time watching it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, still yeah. to this day, Messed I think the up. scariest thing we covered on this show. I typically like question, and I always know I'm gonna come up to the to the studio with a mask on. But I'm always wondering because it's just like a in the elevator, walk down the hall, walk into the studio, and I and I think, should I grab a mask and never run into anyone? And then I just think about like contagion, and I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm just like, this month yeah. of all months, like, I mean, I've always worn a mask. I've never yeah. not worn a mask. Yeah. So it's like this is not the time to start. Yeah. Not during this okay. theme. Okay. I was rushing in here today, so I forgot my mask. <gasps> but um, you literally just reminded me. But. Um, yeah. Oh, thanks, Freddie. Oh, you're putting your mask on for yourself. <laughs> Got it. All right. Never mind. Fuck you, Freddie. Uh, but yes, to continue this month going, we are discussing David Cronenberg's Shivers. First and foremost, gentlemen, thoughts. Um. So I could start. Okay. Um. I have. So first, I think it's important to say that I've never heard of this movie before. I went in blind. I didn't do. I usually never do this, but I, I'm. I'm sure it's worth saying. Uh, I didn't do any research of it after watching it. And uh, I think it's very uh, interesting, right? Looking at when this came out, this film is 75, right? Yeah. Um, And I'm sure, and I'm sure this has been studied to death and analyzed already. And I could kind of 
kind of sound naive saying this, but I'm sure it's a commentary on uh, the sexual revolution, right? That happened between the 60s Love and 70s. And yeah, yeah, and then also just this uh, this shift forward to being more open to sex and, you know, going past the waiting for marriage and yeah. having sex multiple partners. Yeah, exactly. So it's just a human capability that we all have. Yeah, so it's so interesting to watch this and kind of see... Um, the horror approach that it could take with the society itself becoming so willing to engage and be open with sex. And then it seems like this movie is saying that's going to kill us all. Right. But I'm sure that's not the author's (laughs) message. That's the thing. Like, I mean, gosh, people don't die from the parasite, right? Like, no, they they don't. They just transition to a different type of society. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I thought about that as well. They were just like functioning sex addicts. <laughs> yeah, but I think the way it's transmitted is very terrifying, right? It is. Because oh my god, it's so violent. Yeah, I mean the the word of consent has always been continuous, but I think it's um, expanded so much more in understanding when consent can and can't be given, and, and yeah. there's a lot of lack of consent in this movie. And I wonder if the movie itself is saying like in this transition of you know, post-sexual revolution, um, it can get to this point where things do get very scary. And I, and I think maybe because we do have more access to information now that, you know, everyone hears stories about sexual abuse these days. Yeah. And is it that it happens more now or is it that we just have more inform- more access to information, right? And it's hard to really gauge that. We're not the people to do that. Yeah, that's a yeah. That's even a great thought because I I feel like prior to like back in this time, not even too long ago, like gosh, back into two thousands, two thousand tens, things like that. Like it was moments that would happen where someone will have a uh, unwanted sexual experience with someone mm-hmm. to the point where it's just like, well, am I the one who's the who? should be wanting to do this like even if it's with your partner even right and your partner wants to have sex but you don't and and you're just like kind of doing it because your partner wants to do it like that that it's another thing in in some ways where it's just like ooh, the yeah the conversation has definitely evolved more and i think um education's being spread more nowadays and um, like the correct information regarding consent and so on. Yeah, but this movie is crazy. Like it, it, it. You know, tackles. This nuts. Yeah, it tackles the lack of consent. It tackles things like pedophilia and yeah. like it's in the most outrageous way. Yeah, God. it's really like where the roles uh, flip. Yeah, like it's it was, oh my god, it's really insane. It's a lot to take in this movie, but it's it's a <laughs> it's a fast paced movie. Too. Yeah, it's a it's a <laughs> it's huge a quick one. Yeah. commentary, and I think the. The spread of whatever this is is yeah. very fascinating in this context. So I thought this movie was super interesting. Um, it's awesome that it was man-made too. Not the movie, the disease. The disease itself, right. yeah. yeah. That, that's what makes it really interesting. Because you immediately like start this movie and at least for me, I was like, Oh, am I going to be able to handle what's yeah, happening what on Freddy screen, said. right? Yeah, and I almost, every time I, we run into movies with you know those types of scenes, I always think, Prince... Why did you not give me the heads up or why did you put this on the list? Yeah. And I think to myself, Prince would give me a heads up. Well, Maybe this is not going to be what it is, but it is very much intended to be insinuated that's happening, right? And then you very quickly realize 
I think throughout the movie that like this professor was like, this is out of hand. I need to destroy the source and then I could be contaminated. So I need to right. kill myself for the greater good of mankind. Yeah. So Stop yeah. Stop it right here kind of thing. But that fails. Yes. Because of the, mm. the natural rate of this. What do they refer it to as? A... A parasite. A parasite. parasite. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. fascinating movie. Yeah. Movie, I think. Yeah. It's 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 super fascinating. Uh, Freddie, what about you? Ah, uh, this movie, uh, like like David, it's our second Cronenberg film that second we've Cronenberg <laughs> Cronenberg movie, and I've known him from what you've told me, where it's like it's yeah. a lot of body horror and stuff like that. He loves it. Um, this movie is a horror film. <laughs> yeah. underline italics bold whatever this movie is a horror film uh and you haven't seen the fly i have not seen the fly okay. i haven't seen scanner i haven't seen any of his other work besides uh dead zone that we covered earlier on in um one of our Stephen categories yeah uh this movie like with david with the opening scene it was like hard for me to watch there's a lot of scenes in this movie where i'm like i'm not cool with yeah, as and you, shouldn't, as you be. shouldn't be, right? Exactly. But at the same time, like the movie is very smart, and I think the dialogue is very important, and I think it's something that you can get a lot of value out of. And then, like the horror scenes actually are very horrific, and the blood looks great, and the looks the so parasite good. looks good. I love the kill blood. scenes or the kill scenes, but not really kill scenes are horrific as well. Yeah. Um, there's very iconic scenes, like the girl in the bathtub, like yes. There's a lot of scenes in here where I'm like, damn, this looks good for today's time. Yeah. And I'm really impressed with the camera work and what he was able to achieve in the story. And I'm just like, damn, there's not horror films like this anymore. There are, but like this, this reminded it's me rare. a little bit of like The Shining, like oh, that wow. good. And I was just like, wow, this is what's considered a classic. Yeah. I get it. Uh, people were like talking to me when I post like, oh, I'm watching this movie. It's like, oh, you're going to like it and stuff like yeah. that. And rightfully so. I think this movie is very iconic. Um, and like I said, there's a lot of parts I didn't like. But at the same time, that's supposed to be the reaction I should be getting. So I was like, not, succeed not in like as in like the scene is bad. It was just more so the fact that it was just Horrific like, Ooh, that see. makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> a lot of uncomfortable scenes. Yeah. But yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. That's great. I, I had a blast with it. That's amazing. Uh, this Although was... it made me feel uncomfortable, but I was like, okay. That's fair. No, yeah. that's completely fair. Uh, so, surprised to know, this was my first watch of this film. Wow. Yes, yes. I'm really surprised uh, to hear that. Uh, I've always wanted to see this movie, and I never just had the time to really sit down and watch this movie. I've yeah. wanted to watch this movie for a long time um, because I've seen Cr David Cronenberg's Rabbit, um, and I loved Rabbit. I think Rabbit's a, another fantastic one. And I was going to put, I had that on the list first. Um, and then I had Mayhem on the list and things like that. And I ended up chopping it off because I was like, this is my only like chance. I feel like I can force myself to watch Shivers. And I've always wanted to see Shivers. Um, and I'm so happy I did. <laughs> nice. Because I really, really, really love this movie. And it is bananas from like start to finish. And I'm like, God damn. Yeah. Like, it's just. It's a ride the, from start to end. Dude. Like, and it doesn't learn to act. Up. That chaotic act. Oh, my God. is amazing. I was like, okay, we got a zombie movie. All right. I'm in. It's great. It's great. And it, it, I, I loved every moment of this movie of what the political aspect behind mm -hmm. it was. And also the message that I felt like I received from it um, and things like that. And uh, David, you brought up great points of like, um, 
the particular aspects that this film chooses to explore with like pedophilia and sexual assault and things like that in a very interesting way like mm-hmm. in a way that I've never seen before and the, the honestly the scariest person in this movie to me was the fucking waiter the waiter was so scary yeah like he the way he like would smell the girl's hair I was like oh my fucking god yeah that's gross Ew. like it, it was repulsive and the, the way he looked and the way he squeezed the crepe in his hand and like sexually licked it, I was like, dude, stop. <laughs> I agree like, with you're, you. like, he was so uncomfortable to me. And I, I felt like he was perfect. Like, he fucking leaned in. Like, I felt like yeah. other people were just like, rah, rah. But <laughs> like him, he was like, no, this is my life. <laughs> and you know, it's super interesting too, because like, I, I'm sure with, the approach to this movie, uh, it it probably translates in a way where people that were very anti sexual revolution, this is probably how they saw the sexual revolution. Oh, right? I'm like sure, terrifying, horrific. Depraved. It's a parasite. Right, yeah. yeah, like how can there be um, same um, gendered and same sex like couples and right? You know, people have fear of pedophilia and be uh, emerging from all this and yeah. you know all having multiple partners oh my goodness and yeah i mean sp- it, yeah th- there were even like fucking things that they would have like psas and things like that about like if you're gay you're automatically a, a pedophile and you're like what what the fuck are you talking about yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it, it's like shit like that that i feel like this movie uh truly explores and it's just like shoving it in your face so in some ways violently that like you you have no choice except to endure it mm-hmm. and it's it's fuck it's interesting let's fucking jump into this because god damn it <laughs> shivers directed by david Cronenberg, released july 6 1976 for the runtime of one hour and 27 minutes shouts out to that runtime though that's yeah. a great runtime it, it is. is great runtime really happy about that a budget of a hundred and seventy nine thousand dollar canadian dollars um which i don't know what that translates to for america <laughs> but d- especially back then d- that doesn't sound like a lot but damn like that's pretty impressive and a box office of one million canadian dollars with oh, yeah. a rating wow. of i know right with a rating of 85 percent on rotten tomatoes Hell in yeah. the 70s yeah it's really impressive like, damn in the 70s and the great thing about this movie as well i don't know much about the marketing behind it back in the 70s but the fact that it came out in the summertime Mm. where it's just like you got grateful dead concerts and shit (laughs) you got fucking Jimi hendrix at all time high like it's just all this shit and i don't know if he's dead by this time or not i don't know but like (laughs) all this shit that's going on around this time it where it's like it's summer love it like that's this movie and i feel like it takes the word love very seriously in this mm. movie where it's like make love to me it's not like have sex with me or fuck me or whatever it, it's make love to me and like they take that love so literal very interesting too because i notice aspects of it's either make love to me or make love with me yes yeah. it's so interesting we open to a still image of an apartment building with the video of a man introducing himself as ronald merrick inviting someone aboard his starliner apartment complex the photo flicks to a bed uh, with our title shot as ronald continues upselling the apartment complex with um with all these amenities and it's it, right off the bat i love the fact that we 
learn and very early on they're on an island yeah, yeah. like <laughs> i love the exposition it's like it's like first off i'm sold this is yeah. cool yeah yes. self-sustaining you have everything there you have a marketplace that sounds uh, yeah that sounds you got medical cool, dental like everything i was like oh cool yeah. like you can stay there and just not go anywhere else yeah but at the same time it's like this is a perfect exposition of like these people are trapped on the island and right. this is the location like you it's need isolation a car to leave yeah yeah in some ways a quarantine film like yeah. they were this fits our month perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. He continues showing that everything you will need is available on the Starliner Island. A couple Krishimmer uh, and Brenda are driving up the large complex, getting out of their car to head inside together, holding each other. He he goes up to the guard, sharing that they are meeting with the rental agent and they have an appointment. The guard acknowledges, giving the agent a buzz. Cut to Dr. Emil Hobbs busting through a door uh, that a woman, where a woman is like trying to hold it back and she's dressed as a schoolgirl, which we later learned she's 19. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, her name is Annabelle. Um, and she's trying to hold the door back uh, and he just fucking hulks that shit and just like busts through the door and she falls on the ground or on the bed I should say she falls on the bed Hobbs slowly walks toward her back downstairs with a couple the guard's gun uh, taps the table from inside his holster Brenda asking if he ever had to use it he shares that he never had to and only only has to have it because the rival complex just uh, has them as well the gun just being an advertising gimmick Glad it wasn't like much of a gimmick because like we saw that shit in action later. Right. A little foreshadowing of like what's available. It's Absolutely. like good camera work. Yeah. Meanwhile, Hobbs wrestles with Annabelle on the bed. The guard holds the door open for Mr. and Mrs. Uh Gilbo. I had to really learn how to say this word because it's French. Um Gilbo. Mentioning that Merrick is coming. Merrick comes in the room, introducing himself, apologizing on keeping them waiting, asking about what size bedrooms are they looking for. Hobbs continues struggling with the non-screaming woman as she tries to escape out of the room. Why wasn't she screaming? I would have been screwing my fucking head off if this fucking old scaly man is on me. But... I'm sure the reason why she wasn't screaming was because the it's parasite. Inside her. Yeah, yeah, the parasite, right? Like the parasite in, in some ways, like she's fighting back. But at the same time, it also felt like there was sexual tension in this moment, which was odd. I think from a like a blocking viewpoint, definitely because, you, you know, one, you're you're tackled with the thought of like this is a rape scene yeah yes and it's very scary yes and then you have um when in reality it was a scene of him just trying to kill her yes (laughs) um and you have necessarily what he thinks he's fighting the parasite now versus the actual person right right? yeah he's like taking out of the host gone yeah like i i fucked up and regarding the sexual tension you're talking about i think with the blocking it it very much is like the skirt riding up, underwear being shown, and right. all that. Not that yeah. you know. Since, but I do want to give the disclaimer that this is a, an act of force, and yes. because that's being exposed, doesn't necessarily correlate to this is sexual, right? You know, it's still bad, it's still yeah. wrong, absolutely. Uh, but I think the the intent from the author is probably that that it's supposed to feel like there is sexual tension. Yeah. And I think I think you actually mentioned something that something really really clear here because with the direction of how the shots are blocked, right? Like where where we have Cronenberg's direction of just like okay, 
we, we need to zoom in on the skirt. We need to zoom in on the breast, and and like we need to make it clear that when he rips the shirt, like it, it's forceful to to a point where it feels like it, 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 she's going to be raped. Right. It's very intentional filmmaking, which that's like all right, it's effective. You make me feel uncomfortable immediately, yes. and that's why I thought of you, David. I was like, yeah. I wonder if David's not gonna like. I almost movie. backed out before. Yeah, I was like, I, I almost finished backed the moment. Out. Yeah, <laughs> like it was. It was, was like, funny. I was like, oh, it's okay. She's just about to get killed. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what a relief. She's just being like, murdered. Oh, Thank God she's I, just getting murdered. I honestly, like, because it's a horror movie, I really did think, oh, thank goodness, she's just getting I killed. I the same thought that you said. I was like, oh, Prince would have warned us yeah. about this. Yes, I, I did look up just in case because I knew what Shivers was yeah. before going into it. I didn't go in completely blind. Uh, like I knew it was a disease that made people sex crazed. Yeah. Um. So I made sure there weren't like any crazy scenes of like rape. To well, warn thank you. you guys I appreciate first. that. And there, there weren't any. So um, yeah. Jumping, I mean, there was, but like yeah. nothing that we had to see. Jumping ahead a tiny bit again with the the perceived like intention of it, this seemingly being a rape scene. Um, you know, he, I'm jumping ahead just a tiny bit, but he tapes her mouth shut. Yes. And you think, Oh fuck. Yeah. This is, that used later. this is going to happen. And he doesn't want her to scream. But in, in retrospect, you realize no, because this is, this is just this is how a kill is going to happen. He doesn't want the parasite to escape from her yeah. mouth and, attack him so yeah. I think this is very clever and very smart in retrospect in the moment caught off guard yeah. very much so because his shirt is off yeah, and it, well, it's the start of the movie too right yeah. and why was this his shirt off strong. yeah that's what I was saying like his shirt was off where it was just like I don't I, I still don't understand why his shirt was off I think it's just to play with the he audience was yeah. checking to see if he had the parasite already himself maybe maybe Maybe. I don't know. She falls to the couch. He goes on top of her, choking the life out of her. Mare continues looking at a floor plan with the couple, trying to sell them on a better view. Hobbs, on the other hand, grabs some tape to tape Annabelle's mouth shut. He places her on a, on a table, swiping um, swiping the dishes off, just like... <laughs> <laughs> ripping uh, ripping her shirt open, beginning to undress her. Cut to a man named Nick Tudor. Um, uh flossing his teeth with a water pick. I did not know water picks were a thing in the 1970s. I thought like, the same thing. I, I was like, what? What the yeah. fuck? Hold on. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was pretty new technology and it kind of maybe is trying I to establish. I thought it was new technology in 2010. <laughs> maybe trying to establish like how high end this island and this complex Th- that's is. What yeah, that's what I yeah. yeah, yeah. He gets some sort of sharp pain in his side and it's like, a violent sharp pain mm-hmm. touching his stomach. His wife, Janine opens the, uh, the bathroom door asking if she, if he said something, he grabs his water pick as quickly as he can, bluntly telling her no. She shares that breakfast is almost ready as he leaves out. He spits out the water, checking and pressing on his stomach dressed in out of the bathroom. He sits, he sits at the dining room table, Janine placing a, ba- a basket of bagels, like a ton of bagels in front of him. Like For it's, real? it's like, I, I don't think I don't think he needs that many bagels. <laughs> There's like eight or ten or twelve bagels in there. He's feeding for two. Right. Back with the creepy ass doctor with his shirt off and a surgical mask on, pulling out a scalpel. He begins cutting her stomach open, pulling at her skin to open it wider. Back with the couple eating breakfast, Janine asking if she can call Nick at the office. I fucking hate him. Yeah, he's like, like, I, I, like, granted, it might be the parasites talking, but it feels like he's always been a dick. I mean, he was cheating on, you know, his 
supposed wife or girlfriend. Yeah. So yeah, it does seem like he was always like that. But uh, yeah, very, very much a jerk. Very much yeah. a jerk. He doesn't understand why she would like to call him at the office. She thinks uh, she just thinks it would be nice to give him a call. Slightly offended by the by his nonchalant tone, he tells her that he's not going to be in the office except to to sign in, having a lot of claims to check out for garages. She grabs a, cig- a cigarette, lighting it. Hobbs grabs an um grabs acid pouring it into annabelle's stomach it's sizzling and smoking pushing her boiling blood out he takes the scalpel stabbing himself in the neck before groaning and dropping down to the floor what did you guys think at this moment fuck (laughs) like you know like it it, the when i saw this happen i was immediately in after this really because for me i was just like Oh shit! It's a wild <laughs> like, movie. This yeah, is yeah. like this is going to be insane. Like dudes having pains in his side. We get this introduction of how they bring people into their community or whatever. Like it, 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 I was in. I was in. Like this gave me enough exposition to know that. Like, okay, we're dealing with something scientific. We're dealing mm. with something that uh, that this dude potentially probably did something because he's a doctor. So I, I automatically assume. This fucker fucked something up. Like I didn't <laughs> I know what that. he fucked up, but I was just new. I was like, he fucked something up. It's, <laughs> it's really funny because, like I said, I went into this movie completely blind. But yesterday, I recorded another podcast with someone, and we just covered Alien. Oh. So of course, I'm thinking like face huggers. It's inside the person's body. Yeah. So and I know we're talking about like a pandemic movie where things are going to spread or something like that. I was like, right. oh, there's some like organism inside this person that he's trying to destroy. And I was like, oh, got it right on the dodge because I saw Alien yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I understood. But I was like, okay, I'm in as well. I was yeah. like, this movie is going to be bonkers. And it's not more of me saying like I'm in. It's more like I'm ready for this ride. Yeah. Because I knew it was going to be wild. Good Absolutely. on both of you. Because at this moment, I was like, especially when he uh, slits his own throat, I'm like, what is what going is going on? on? Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> um, well, yeah. I think it's um, I, it felt really good throughout maybe the uh, last act of the movie to be like, that's why he killed her and himself. Yes, yeah, exactly. so it's, it's cool right. to have that moment. Really cool shit. Nick clicks on the elevator entering inside with Merrick and the other couple. I mean, this is not to say, though, that he's a good person. He's no, a no, 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 no. I didn't not like, say that. Yeah, like we, we'll find out <laughs> more later. Not, I want to make that clear. Yeah, Let's make shit. that very clear right now. Like, uh, Dr. Emil Hobbs is a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, Merrick sharing that they are going up, but Nick doesn't mind. Merrick goes over to the couple, sharing that they have a they have a variety of f- fully furnished apartments that are ready for them to move in now. Sounds expensive. They make it to they make it to their their floor, exiting on out of the awkward elevator ride. Nick goes to the buttons, pushing on the fifteenth floor. He goes mm-hmm. um, up to room fifteen eleven, unlocking the door before knocking on it and entering. He calls for Annabelle, thinking that. She's still in the bathroom, noticing her laid out dead on the table. He begins gagging and coughing into a handkerchief before leaving out of the room. Cut to Janine speaking with her friend Betts about how Nick has been acting. Betts comments that is it is possibly it is probably nothing, and it could just be a cyst on his body. Asking if he's seen a doctor, Janine co- uh, complains that he hates doctors and lawyers. All right, never going to to either of them. Um, I was just like. Liars, like yeah. that might honestly that might be why he hasn't divorced her because <laughs> like he hates lawyers. <laughs> Betts recommends that she goes to the doctor at the clinic, Doctor Saint Luke, um, explaining that uh, Nick is very ill and he will he will have to come come see him. 
When he gets there, those two uh, can just fight about it between themselves. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't think I would like that very much either, though. A doctor just appearing out of nowhere, and be like, "Hey, ooga booga!" Like I heard you <laughs> let's say, "Let's check you out." <laughs> like, like, let's get just get you checked out, man. Got an lollipop for you. I think. No. <laughs> I think the uh, conversation of consent has changed a lot in many different ways. Yes, since the absolutely. 70s. Yeah. Janine is shaking her head, knowing that he'll be really mad. Bets doesn't care, finding the whole thing ridiculous as she takes a, another drag from her cigarette. Janine um, agrees uh, to it. To it all, Nick rushes to his car into the garage, speeding off into his office. Inside his office, his secretary, uh, Mrs. Mona Wheatley, gets 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 up surprised to see him, um, explaining that she's she's been telling everyone to call tomorrow. Without without a word, he he heads into his. He heads into his office, shutting his door behind him. Meanwhile, Merrick is in Annabelle's room, explaining that Dr. Hobbs paid for the apartment, but it was her name on the list in the intercom board, commenting that she was a, she was a civilized lady as two coroners transfer her body to a gurney. This is interesting context here, that um, Hobbs was paying for it. Right. Yeah. For her stay to be the guinea pig and stuff yes, like that. Yes, absolutely. So interesting having her stay here to see how this parasite evolves and interacts with other people. So fascinating. Yeah. Such a fascinating take. It evolves not well. It, it does not evolve well. No, he definitely was just like, it's out of control. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking everything. <laughs> I'll use the alien ref, uh, reference. It's the perfect organism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it though? No. <laughs> well, yeah. It's Far not. from. Yeah. Or in some ways, like it's it's or a itself, very smart organism. It's right? a survivor. Yeah. Damn. Smart. The detective, the detective Heller, um, asks about the man that called called him up there. Merrick agrees that Doctor Roger St. Luke called him up there, explaining that he's the director of uh, of their medical clinic. Heller uh, continues their. Excuse me. Heller questions their clinic. Merrick answers that they are on on an island, which requires them to be a bit more self sufficient. The detective wants to speak with Saint Luke, calling him over. He quickly introduces himself, asking a few questions about Saint Luke finding the body, wondering if he touched or moved anything. Saint Luke did, removing surgical tape from her lips, checking the inside of Annabelle's mouth. Heller is irritated by this as Saint Luke continues explaining that he gave it to the other detective, adding that he looked at the abdominal wound quickly. Heller comments that the department will get back. To him about that asking if he if he knew them saint luke explains that he knew hobbs and that he was a professor seeing annabelle around the building but didn't know didn't know her since she never came into the clinic heller questions him visiting hobbs and finding him like that well with a smirk i don't know why like saint luke always smirked like he smirked at the oddest moments too with the smirk, St. Luke mentions that he hasn't seen Hobbes since medical school. He's like, I actually haven't seen him in medical, medical school in a while. <laughs> it's like, I haven't I would have been seen like, him. What the fuck? Why you, you did this. Like, <laughs> you killed him. You're, you're the one. <laughs> you're more sus than anyone. Uh, not knowing that he, uh, he'd been to the Starliner Towers until today. Heller wonders what brought him up there then. St. Luke responds that Hobbes called him at 6 a.m., telling him to meet him in 1511. Heller asks um, how he sounded. St. Luke, Saint Luke uh, comments that he sounded fine. The phone rings, Merrick answers it, and someone on the line for St. Luke wondering why he didn't turn up to lunch. St. Luke looks back at Heller before leaving. Mm. Weird. He's the ghost face killer. Like, dude, he lo- he, he's so <laughs> suspicious. Did you say dude. ghost face killer? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. the rapper? 
No, oh. like Ghostface, like Scream. Yeah, yeah but there's a rapper. There is, I mean, yeah, Ghostface Ghost Killer. Like, killer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, <Damn>. not wrong. <laughs> My main character in Def, Def Jam Vendetta. Man, okay. bring yeah. me back, dude. My main. Woo, I think mine was Busta. <laughs> we should play that. We should. Cut to Saint. Um, I'm just going to call him Saint from now on. Cut to Saint um, eating lunch with Rolo Linsky. I think his name was telling Saint about about him and Hobbs trying to find an alternative organ transplant while eating a sandwich and a pickle. He really likes pickles. He really does. It's really weird. He almost had a pickle in almost every scene he was in. Really? Yes. Because I wondered why he asked for that pickle and it was just like he had it's a, one. It's a thing. And then he was like, "Yo, go eat that pickle." <laughs> I hate pickles. I, I, hate I pickles despise pickles. my most hated food. Why we all I hate pickles? Get that pickle out of my face, Ugh, dude. Uh, if a pickle, I don't know why my pickle. I don't know why I hate pickles. Is it my no, dish? It ruins the whole dish. Oh, dude, don't touch me. Yeah, like uh, keep I'll your pickle it. away from me. If it's inside already, I'll eat it, uh, and I'm not happy about it. I'm sorry. I would not touch it. I'm I would sorry. just refuse to I, eat. I would be so offended if someone put a pickle. And I'm not a picky eater. <laughs> I'm I'll nice. eat anything except for pickle. but pickles. Mm, but I like pickles. pickled things. What? Yeah, no, I like pickle radish and I like pickled onions. Pick- yeah, oh, great. Yeah. I had some pickle Good onions stuff. just uh, an hour before I yeah. got here. Like on a banh mi sandwich, pickled carrots. Yeah, and so or on like on tacos. Delicious. But a pickle? No. No. I don't. I don't want a pickle cucumber. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't eat a pickle if it's forcely inside there in the hamburger or something. No, I don't like. Anything. I would literally off. put it down on the table and just push it forward away from me, <laughs> and staring and at then the get up and, give it to and just leave. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Smack it off the table. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Who do you think I am? Bubble bath? <laughs> uh, Saint. Uh, <laughs> Our older listeners are like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I can just imagine someone eating the like pickles while listening to our show, and they're like, what the fuck? Dude, Bella will eat pickles, and then she's like, will chase me around trying to kiss me. I'm like, no, oh don't. My God. don't do that. That's that's the easy way to break up. St. <laughs> Luke nods, and Rolo ask if he's bored, educating how the alternative is supposed to work. Quote, you got, you got man and parasites living around man, so why not breed the parasite that, that can do something? something useful a parasite that can take over the function of the human organ for example you breed a parasite that you implant in the human body cavity and it hooks into the circulatory system and it filters the blood just like a kidney and it takes a little blood for itself once in a while end quote he asks saint luke if he's following him as he sits there uh, attentively he claims that uh, he is as frollo continues uh explaining that that you have a guy with a bad kidney puffing the bag puffing the bug put excuse me putting the bug um inside him and the bug dissolves the kidney having a perfectly good parasite where you used to have a rotten kidney knowing that uh saint is going to say that is crazy but he jokingly asks for mustard instead while reaching into his back Rollo chuckles, definitely not letting him touch his back, though. Rollo chuckles, um, asking him what he really thinks. Saint thinks it is crazy. Rollo agrees, but he doesn't care, commenting that Hobbes was a lousy teacher, but he was a genius for getting grants, asking him who who he thinks pays the rent, and that Northern uh, Northern Hemisphere Organ Transplant Society is paying for it, grabbing a folder, showing him a partial list of some of the other projects that they are writing with uh, with their money. And I love this, because he's like taking a a, a jab at them, right? it's just like, yeah, they're paying for the thing that's going to put them out of business, pretty much. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. uh, Mona gets a, ca- a phone call asking for Nick. She buzzes him to answer the phone. He doesn't answer his 
he doesn't answer her buzz, she gets up and knocks on his door, telling him that he uh, that there's a call for him. He doesn't answer her. She opens his door, explaining that there's a man whose Lambo caught on fire at St. Catherine, and he's very angry. Nick is just standing at his desk, looking down, blood dripping from his mouth. Mm. She goes up to him, wanting to take him to the hospital. He comments that he's, go- he's going home for the day. She tries to talk to him. He raises his voice um, that he's alright, demanding her to call him a cab. She agrees, rubbing his shoulder before leaving out of the room. Cut to the saint looking at the photo of Annabelle and another girl asking Rolo how Hobbes knew her. Rolo shrugs that it is it is someone that he met while lecturing at an all-girls school, mentioning that they called him examining her breast for breast cancer in the faculty lounge, adding that she was 12 years old at the time and he used to bring her in, into the office every once in a while, not understanding how he could uh, do what he did to her. Yet you worked with him. Right. You motherfucker. I agree. You did not hold this man accountable at all. You thought it was wrong. You knew it was wrong. And you knew that it wasn't supposed to be, he was supposed to be doing this. And yet you allowed it. Even sharing the story like nonchalantly, I'm like, what the fuck? Bruh. Like, and he seems like he's crazy, right? And he like just continues on. What the fuck? Like, like, fuck. But we we (sighs) later find well, we don't later find out. In this moment, this is with the context of the whole movie now. We now understand that, like, he was not do- probably not doing anything sexual to her, but he was experimenting on yeah, her so all this time. I was, I wonder if uh, he was grooming her and then this started earlier on and he actually used her as a test subject in the school and Maybe. then thought, let me take the experiment further. Let me put her in a area with adults instead and see what happens. And then something must have gone haywire and thus we get the opening scene where he is killing her. Yes. I wonder. Yeah. Interesting. He somberly walks away, Saint telling him goodbye as, um, and that he's go- about to go to the clinic. They shake hands, Rillo telling him to think about joining him on, uh, on this before they say goodbye, asking Saint about the pickle before leaving out. Okay. He throws the used pickle to Rollo and he gets, gets up out of there. And he's just like, hey! You ate some of this pickle. <laughs> <laughs> Nick faced the taxi driver, picking up, uh, picking up his briefcase and robotically entering into the apartment building. The guard greeting him, but Nick doesn't respond. And he's like full on robot. He's like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I am a robot. Adios, turn nuggets. Like he's like uh, definitely just heading upstairs. At the clinic, Saint is looking at um, the next patient on his list while Brad, fucking Brad. Ew. Like, ew. Brad, stop. No one wants to talk to you, Brad. Like, <laughs> Brad is speaking with Janine about some vitamins. He's like, yeah, I took these vitamins. So <laughs> <laughs> That's right. What the fuck, Brad, dude? Like, Brad, no it's one gives funny. a fuck about your super vitamins that you take, dude. Like, this one chick's trying to read her magazine and shit. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, poor. Come on. Brad's just, you'd think he's just lonely, but dude's been fucking having sex with a 19 year old. Yeah. <sighs> Saint calls on her, um, taking her into this into his office. And he's like proud about that shit. Yeah, he like, is. Like he like exploits it out. Um, Saint calls, calls on, excuse me, Saint calls on to Janine, taking her into his office. Meanwhile, Nick uh, makes it back home, sweating as he takes his blazer off. And he looks 
bad. Bad, yeah. Like, he does not look good at all. Mm -hmm. Sitting down on the couch, pouring himself a drink. Janine is sitting with Saint. He shares that he doesn't um, see any abnormalities with Nick. She asks if he can come up and take a look at him. He agrees, telling her that he can come by later tonight um, around 9.30 or 10. That's another thing that I really like about... That is hella late. But that's another thing about this movie that I really like. This is all in a day. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. All of this is in a day. They find Hobbs and um, Annabelle's body in the day. Like, like all in the, the morning. Yeah. Everything yeah. happens. Like everything is just happening all in one day. That's it's really great. cool. I do agree on that. She's pleased with that time. Um, thanking him before. Oh, that's perfect. We'll just be having dinner. Thanking him before leaving out of out of his office. Nurse Forsyth. I think that's his name. Forsyth. Um, it tells him that Mrs. Cimentel is re- a lot of names in here that are really hard for me to say. And I was like, y'all just, why can't we just keep around with the Knicks and the Daves and things like that? I mean, it's not America. Uh, that's true. Yeah. It is, it is, uh, Canada for sure. But, uh, Mrs. Cimentel, and I believe it was by Montreal. So like, a, there are a lot of French names yeah. as well, um, is ready for him. He instructs her to tell uh, Cimentel that he'll be right with her as he goes to mark something on Nick's papers. Nick continues sitting on the couch, trying to get a, get comfortable by taking, um, his shoes, his taking off his shoes with his, uh, drink in hand. He gets another sharp pain that causes him to fall to the ground. He gags and gasps for air as he continues becoming paler and paler, walking to the bathroom and retching inside the bathtub, pulling back and retching um, blood onto his toilet. He grabs a towel, wiping his mouth, taking the towel with the, uh, taking the towel with him into the living room. It's a really cool shot. This is great. Yeah, it's a great review of him. Like just, it looks like he's just throwing up like he's physically sick. But then you see like the blood come off the toilet and you're like, oh, this is way worse than what I thought it was going on. I was like, first off, like who throws up in a bathtub? You have the toilet right there. But I was like, oh, you're not throwing up. You're coughing up blood. I mean, I I will be honest. I cannot throw up in toilets. It just makes me throw up more. I get get what you mean by that wholeheartedly. (laughs) Yeah, No, I understand the reason behind it. Yeah, no, because like you think this is disgusting as a toilet. Yeah, it it, it, it makes me feel so much worse. (laughs) But I've only thrown up twice in my life, so. Oh, please knock on wood. It's horrible. You don't want to throw up again. It's a terrible feeling. The last time I was maybe like 16. The time before that, I was like maybe seven. Oh, wow. What the fuck? Yeah. Good for you. Thanks. You know, good for you. I hope you never get like food poisoning ever in your life because it is horrendous. You know, I do get food poisoning, but it doesn't come out my mouth. <laughs> oh, see, that, that, that makes sense. Um, but yes, I can throw up in, in, in toilets. Uh, the last time I threw up was because of pastrami. And uh, I, I love <laughs> yeah, pastrami. Yeah. For and me, I will never eat it again. I will oh, never wow. eat it again. For, uh, so I, last time I had pastrami, I was 17 years old, and I will never eat it. That's again. That's how I was with olives because when I when it happened when I was like I don't like seven, olives. that's all I saw. Olives, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, no more talking about that. <laughs> Quick cut to the bathtub covered with blood and some brown residue entering into the drain. Nick stands on his balcony with his back turned to the edge. Two older women are. I thought he was gonna jump. I thought so too. Like, I actually like, thought he was going like, to jump and just yeah. fall right in front of these old poor women. He's <laughs> like, he's like, you know what? I'm done yakking at the bathtub. Let me go to the balcony. <laughs> That's literally what he did. Yeah. The two older women are walking outside downstairs. He looks over the balcony, retching in bl- a bloody sludge onto the woman's umbrella. Um, and she's like, poor bird. <laughs> I was like, what? She's like looking for it. I'm like, 
oh, these birds always hit these windows and buildings. I'm like, what? <laughs> that was amazing. The moment they get it, uh, it to be a bird crashed uh, into a window and died into the bu- uh, died onto the building. Um, her friend tells her to come along as she continues grieving over the non-existent bird. A tongue-like worm... Um, inches into the drain. Brad continues talking to, to other patients in the waiting room about fucking vitamins as Forsyth <laughs> calls him into the doctor's office. She takes him into uh, Saint's room instructing him uh, to take off his shirt for the doctor. She's about to leave out of the room while this old fucking pervert tells her um, that, hey, I'm not shy. You don't have to leave. Stay here with me and watch me take off my shirt. He's cocky now. I'm just like, bro, what? <laughs> like, yeah, this cocky. dude's one yes. night with a night year old and he's just like my life is complete (laughs) she she jokes for him not to be a tease and she's still working he takes his shirt off he's like i know (laughs) as she leaves the room cut to the older woman down in the laundry room of the building washing her hands in the sink um (laughs) this woman's her scene not this one but the next scene of her it's amazing. It's just, I'm hungry. I'm hungry oh, for that's love. Right. That's right. <laughs> what, one-liners. One of my favorite one-liners ever. And she delivered it perfectly to me. <laughs> I'm just like, you are a gem and need to be protected at all costs. <laughs> Not noticing the trail of blood on the wall, she enters her clothes into the washing machine. Closing the lid and paying the fee into, in, into the slot, she goes to leave. But notice, uh, notices the trail of blood on the washing machine. I'm so fucking She glad. didn't even notice that, too. She just opened it. No, she noticed it. No, I was like looking at it right now. It's like she misses the trail of blood on the wall. Oh, on the wall, she and misses. Then she misses the trail of blood. Oh, no, she does. No, she does because she goes, right ugh. And then still opens it. And she <laughs> opens it. She's like, I gotta see what's inside here. It might be a dead raccoon. Um, but she, in this, in this particular moment, um, with her kind of doing all of this stuff, it made me like happy to never have to do like public laundry laundry ever that's again right. like oh my gosh uh, i do not envy anyone <laughs> oh that's right we just talked about this yeah, recently we did. remember oh yeah. man i'm sorry it's okay I'm i'll sorry. probably end up doing that this august Maybe. Oh, you're moving. Yeah. Oh man. Who knows? We'll see. Drop that Addy uh, with the face <laughs> on the <of> podcast. Pure... <laughs> so I'll be moving Let to. Let us all know we're having a party at Freddy's with the place with a face of pure disgust. Her curiosity takes over and she opens the lid. The parasite springing to her face, latching onto her cheek as she screams and writhes in pain until she stops moving. Saint comes into the room with Brad, having him lie back on the table. He pushes on Brad's stomach. He verbally winces in pain, telling him to take it easy. Um. Um, and that there's a lot of pressure there. Saint listens um, into a stethoscope, Brad asking if he wants him to breathe deeply. He instructs Brad to breathe normally as he continues to fill around his stomach. Brad con- commenting that he's in good shape for an old man. Saint asks for co- uh, for confirmation on him receiving lumps from a young lady, com- uh, wondering what makes him think that. Brad explains that he has he had. Uh, that she had some just like th- like his around his belly button, around her belly button. Adding that you could push them around, him thinking that it was sexy. (laughs) Rightfully ignoring it, Saint asks if she lived in the tower. Brad confirms that she did, her room being 1511. Saint questions if it is Annabelle. Brad agrees. He was like, oh, you've been with her too. (laughs) Saint instructs him to sit back up, wanting him to go to uh, to the hospital to take a few. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> to, to take a few x-rays. Writing down the address, Brad asks uh, if he needs surgery, but Saint assures him that they won't. Janine is buying a tennis racket and some other things from the general store. She walks back to Bet's apartment, greeting, greeting her on the floor, Bet's, uh, Bet's offering her a drink while she so while she sews something. I don't know what she's doing. She declines, sharing that Saint uh, Saint is going to see Nick around ten. Bet's finds um, finds that to be terrific, telling her that she will uh, find out that nothing is wrong and all they need is just a good vacation. Okay, so fascinating here because in this moment, I'm getting the inclination at this time that like. I think Betts is attracted to Janine. Mm-hmm. Like I think so. Betts, I was definitely that vibe as well. Doesn't want to be alone, and she's like, right. I don't want to drink she alone, and too, yada yada yada, and things like that. And like, she loves Janine's company, and it it doesn't feel uh, what is it platonic? Mm-hmm. Is that that the word platonic? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel platonic. A little bit more flirtatious. Um, like, yeah, it's more of like. And it's like this smooth like, hey, line. It's like, me, I man. always order for two. Mine as well right. come through. Yeah, yeah like, like that like, didn't okay. feel like like friendly. I mean, it felt friendly, but it didn't <laughs> feel like friendly, friendly. Like like how Janine talks to her, like Betts talks to her differently. So I was very, very curious. I was like, oh, I wonder if she gets infected. If it like, if that would, I don't know, like be a tr- transitional thing for Janine. And I was pleasantly... Uh, surprised that i was right <laughs> yeah <laughs> she asked janine to join her for dinner not wanting to eat alone and always ordering for two janine agrees before uh, waving by leaving out a uh, leaving out to head back to her apartment she walks over to her place to enter the key into the slot but the door slightly cracks open creaks open entering the dark room the room slightly illuminated by the fridge door being open and the light in- that's inside she calls out to Nick, trying to close the door, it being stopped by Nick's bloody hand on the ground. She lets out a loud shriek, moving around the door, finding her husband on the floor. She takes a cloth, cleaning his mouth and hands, assisting him up so she can take him to his bed. While helping him into the room, their mail slot on the door is, is uh, streaked with blood from the worm. Two kids are walking past doors, screaming through people's mailboxes as childish jokes. Don't do that. <laughs> I would have been fucking. What you doing, screaming my motherfucking? Nobody home. They continue down. Um. Uh. Continue toward the tutor's apartment. They are about to scream into the mailbox, but instantly move back when they spot the parasite. They they run back down the hall. Um. I love what the girl is saying. He's like, it's sickening. It's sickening. <laughs> Gutterolo still eating these fucking pickles while cracking open a can of Coke. Jan- mm, Coke and pickles. Um, Janine oh, <laughs> on the... I'm so glad He's we are all on the same page here. <laughs> yeah, me too. Janine, on the other hand, is stuck sobbing as she is cleans up Nick's blood from earlier. She forces herself to take a pill, sobbing as she sits on the barely wiped down toilet. <laughs> Nick is breathing heavily in bed, calling out the parasites that's inside of his stomach. Um, and he's like, we're going to be best friends. Dude, you're gone. Like, <laughs> yeah. telling it that they're going to make good friends as the parasites pulses and moves uh, moves inside his skin. He winces through the pain as the parasites continue moving throughout the, his body. Janine comes into the room, wondering if he called her. I don't know why she always thought that he called her. Like, oh, did, did you call me? Well, I figured because she heard um, him talking. Him speaking, yeah. And is like, oh, is he calling out to me? Right. Yeah. 
I mean, still understand like you found your husband that way. You see all this blood in the bathroom. You're not calling the doctor now. <laughs> or getting nine one one on this? She probably uh, is just in shock and feels right. like I I was my instinct was right and I should have um you know taken action and right. I didn't and look what happened. Yeah, definitely. Janine comes into the room wondering if he called her. The lumps emerge back into or excuse me submerge back into his skin. Um, she sits next to him, asking him how he's feeling and if it's stomach if his stomach hurts. She's about to touch his lumps. He throws the blanket back over him, commanding her to get away. And leave him alone. I'm like, fine. Fuck you, then die. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she gets up crying as she asks um, why he won't allow her to help him. Um, when she leaves out of the room, he removes the blanket, looking back down at his stomach as the parasites continue to move. Bet's alcoholic ass sits down on her bed to have another drink um, while listening to the radio. The newscaster, John Woods Woodhouse, sharing the news about our sponsors. And we're back. John Woodhouse instead is just sharing the news about the murder, suicide inside the Starliner Towers, and Bess is just nonchalantly fixing her hair. She's like, like, she's like yeah. whatever, you know, like, happens all the time. <laughs> she uh, continues, sh- or as the newscaster continues sharing the, uh, the news about the incident, she plugs her tub's drain and starts drawing herself a bath um, while taking her clothes off. Forsyth is looking at the files at, um, as Saint comes in um, and sits next to her. She shares the files on Horsefield Beloscopy, Bel- Bel- whatever, Swineberg and Brown <laughs> and uh, papers published by Hobbs, Zelensky, and LaVere. Um, she also found some extra things that were compiled for his time at the towers. He's so engrossed in the article that he doesn't hear Forsyth seductively ask for a kiss. Caught me completely off guard for a second there. Me I was too. like, wait a second. It's like, they hey, they boom booming? <laughs> like, hold on. Now, he did not seem like he was into it. He, yeah, he very much wasn't. But I think it was more so they probably have done stuff in the past and he was just <laughs> so focused on... Right figuring out what this was yeah because yeah. like she was she was definitely just like work's done like dinner's gonna be made soon. yeah oh I'm, I'm over dessert. here like, <laughs> i'm over here like oh she has the parasite ah and uh i think so too i was really surprised oh, that, i don't know i don't think she had the parasite right there no, yeah no. i like in looking back i'm really surprised that she didn't like uh, it doesn't she just, she just liked the doctor i think i yeah. think she just really liked dr saint luke um and i think you're right like i think like they just had they fucked around in the past and yeah maybe and yeah this is, this is just them um, this could be the symbolism of like this is what the natural urge looks like right yeah exactly yeah. and like you can you can tell she likes him yeah she just she genuinely likes him and she didn't because i feel like if she had the parasite the incidents that happened with her with other people yeah it wouldn't have made sense um yeah she she snaps him out of it asking again he allows her to kiss her on the cheek or kiss him on the cheek she asks for another trying to kiss him on the lips as he asks about uh more patients that he has to see she assures him that uh, he saw them all but he's saved by the phone ringing he immediately picks it up it's rollo on the other end uh saint shares that he's looking over the article that he did with Hobbs calling it interesting. Forsyth timidly leaves out of the room. Rollo uh, is flattered, not thinking he f- will find much in the article, calling Hobbs funny, sharing that he went through he went through his papers, finding out that he was shafting them all. Saint doesn't understand. Rollo reads a letter that Hobbs thinks a man is an animal that thinks too much, one that is over-rational, that lost touch from its bodies and instincts. Literally what 
uh, Saint was doing beforehand with while Forth, Forsyth was pretty much trying to loosen him up to kiss him. Mm-hmm. Right. Like he was in thought and he was so in thought that he like sex or intimacy in general was just like out of his head. While Rolo is chatting with um, with Saint, Forsyth continues undressing across from him and she's like, I know you see this. Like, look at all this motherfucker. I didn't realize she was dressing, undressing uh, across from him. She was, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Rolo continues that Hobbes ca- uh, came up with a parasite. Quote, uh, a combination of aphrodisiac and, uh, and venereal disease that will hopefully turn the world into one beautiful, mindless orgy. End quote. So Hobbes was just trying to get his fuck on <laughs> in the most erotic way possible. Saint calls it crazy as he continues gazing at force of shedding her clothes. Rollo mentions that it is important uh, that the important thing is that Hobbes was using Annabelle as a guinea pig and planting her with the parasite. And once it took over, she went berserk, guessing that Hobbes wasn't ready for that and fueling and feeling the need to kill her. Saint wonders what. Uh, what the point was, Rolo explaining that Hobbes wasn't trying to burn her, yet burn the parasite inside. Saint shares that he didn't make it, believing that Hobbes didn't know uh, that Annabelle was popular around the towers. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Having three or four men hosting large, free-moving abdominal growths. Rolo asked uh, to come over to take a look at all of them. Saint inviting him over, uh, uh, mentioning that he's going to meet Nick Tudor soon and his name is on the directory, telling him to meet him in, at the apartment. Rolo acknowledges, commenting that Hobbes designed those parasites to get out of hand pretty fast, wanting him to be careful because one of the, uh, w- excuse me, once they're in the bloodstream, he doesn't know what will happen. That The point being, he if he notices anyone being compulsive with bizarre sexual urges, wanting to start isolating with basic topical with a basic topical kit and and that they have to get them quickly. It, it would have been funny if you like, well, it's over for you, Forsyth. Gonna lock you in here. <laughs> it's over. Uh, cut to Bets relaxing in her bath. She begins cleaning her body with soap. Her drain becomes undone by the parasite slithering into the tub. Not quickly realizing that her water is currently draining, the parasite continues inching toward her vagina. She shrieks and screams in pain as the tub fills with blood. This scene made me clench a bit. Yeah, this is horrifying. Yeah, this scene definitely made me clench. Saint walks out, uh, Forsyth, mentioning that... That is an interesting name. Um, Forsyth. Uh, mentioning that she that he's going to meet Rolo at the tutor's apartment, knowing that he's going knowing that he's going to be pretty late. No matter to her, she insists that he comes over to her place for something to eat while she's like, I'm going to be your dessert, doc. Don't trip. <laughs> Don't trip. She's like, he's like, yeah, what's there to eat? Me. I'm, <laughs> it's day five. I'm still hey, hungry. Yo. Like, <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> no matter. Uh, he nervously chuckles, reiterating <laughs> that he's going. <laughs> <laughs> My penile gland. <laughs> <laughs> he nervously chuckles, reiterating that he's that uh, it is going to be pretty late, <laughs> but she doesn't care. Asking him if if there there is anything wrong with the Hob situation. <laughs> We obviously can't cover sex here. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking as I just had my head down. 
Like obviously. What was that movie from? <laughs> what? Uh, where was that from? From the movie that we saw uh, previously? The, uh, the Beyond. The Beyond. Yeah. <laughs> from Beyond. Right? From Beyond. Yeah. yeah. From Beyond. Excuse me. Uh, he agrees, telling her that uh, it isn't anything that he can't handle while uh, patting her shoulder. She holds his hand on her shoulder, asking him about supper at her place. He. That's a great word. Supper. That's a word I feel like we should bring back. Supper. supper? For some reason, whenever I hear the word supper, it just makes you think soup is for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Okay. I don't want the word okay. now. <laughs> I hate soup. Oh, confirms, I hate soup. Oh, okay. I hate soup. I, I used to be like you. Yeah. Dude, I hate <laughs> soup. Like, it, it's it's just... It's, it's like a nice bowl of chili. I don't consider chili soup, though. No, it's, it's chili. Yeah, it's chili. We could talk about this in the post show. He confirms that... <laughs> he confirms, and that's good for her, bidding him adieu and um, heading back to her uh, heading back to her place. Meanwhile, Bets allows all the water to escape out of the tub before she gets out, walking over the broken wine glass, cutting her feet as she slowly walks away. An order from Phil- Felipe's restaurant is brought into the building from uh, room 416, and I assume Felipe's is somewhere on this island because the waiter like walks in and with the cart, with the cart yeah. and he uh, lights the tea candle. Uh, the waiter lights the tea candle to keep the food warm as he carefully delivers it upstairs. Slowly walking through the halls, the older woman who was attacked by the parasite in the laundry room opens her door saying that I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry for love <laughs> while grabbing and throwing him against the wall, dragging him back into her apartment. I'm like, yo! <laughs> Rolo is Damn. looking at nude images of Annabelle that are um, in Hobbs' file. He packs up all the um, papers before heading out toward the toward the towers. Forsyth is making a late dinner in her home checking her recipe, trying, trying her trying her unseasoned looking food. Yo, that did not look seasoned at all. That just looked like she just cooked asparagus and she's like, mm, pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I thought the same thing too. <laughs> like, you didn't even have salt in it? Like, <laughs> not even salt? Like, <laughs> while checking on the roast, she uh, gets a violent knock on her door. She opens the door. A man, possibly Chris Seamer? Like, it looked like the guy in the beginning. You know, it was very 70s of her to not look through the people. Peephole. Um, right. And her door was already unlocked, and she just opened it. And yep. like, yo, that's so seventies. Yeah, she's like, yes, can I help you? Yeah, like, like, yes, uh, you can help it me. Immediately, like through the people, I would have seen that man and be like, nope, nope. <laughs> like, click, click, like, <laughs> check these locks. Go back to cooking. Uh, I am not home. Uh, she asks if she can help him. He claims that that she can help him while wearing an uncomfortable smile and approaching her. She tries slamming the door on him, but he forces his way inside the room ripping her clothes as she tries to fight him off. He chokes her, continuing to try to rip her her clothes off, but she stabs him in the neck with the serving fork, running out of her apartment. Rolo leaves his office and heads to and heads to his car, Saint uh Saint leaving his office as well, but stopped by a frantic force of sobbing and running into his arms. He asks her what's wrong. He's like, what's wrong? You should be making dinner. Uh, <laughs> she shares that a man just attacked her for no reason, believing that she may have recognized him. Um, he tries calming her down as she continues regurgitating her experience. He asks her uh, where he is now. She believes that she killed him, commenting that she stabbed him in the neck. He tells her to stay stay there while she while he goes to check it out. But she is smart and is and not one of those other tropes wanting to stay there by herself and wants and wants to go with him. 
He reassures he reassures that she's going to be safe there, telling her to stay there while he goes to check it out. She agrees, waiting for a moment before heading off. Saint heads to her apartment, her open apartment, clothes in blood all over the floor. My God, like. It uh, would happen to her look bad, but I was like, damn it, it didn't look that bad. Yeah, like, clothes and shit were all. I assumed he was like searching through like her personal drawers. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. Um, and he was probably sniffing or something. I don't know, but like, all of that was on the floor, like her undergarments and things like that were on the floor. Like, it was a bra. Or I guess back in the seventies, a brazier. Um, mm-hmm. But like, <laughs> so it was all of that stuff on the floor. Uh, he carefully steps over into the kitchen, checking around the rest of the apartment, turning off the running water in the bathroom. He notices the bloody carving fork on the ground and uh, a piece of the bloody parasite next to the uh, zebra bar stools. Shout out to the matching wallpaper for the bar stools. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> so like this is like it goes back to what Merrick said. Like they're fully furnished. She's like, we see. <laughs> I don't know if I would like to move into a fully furnished place. I would never. Like I would never. Like that would be Damn. so weird for me. <laughs> also, like I would never. No. Yeah, like I'm with you though. Why? Like, um, unless, uh, maybe. I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> like, no one, I don't. Like, I don't no one's lived in there before. Well, oh no, okay. that that for me, it's I, I usually I don't like the design. Yes, yeah. that's yeah, me. Too. Like I'm yeah, not a fan of the design. I want to do my own thing. I don't want to have. Especially me. I'm lazy. I don't want to have to get rid of it. Like I don't want to have to like. Would you be, even be allowed to? I would assume you would be because if you pay for it, right? That's true. It's yours now. Well, oh, I guess if you're purchasing, but if yeah. you're like renting, well, I don't think these apartments were for rent. I think these apartments were like for you buying them and oh. you were paying a mortgage. Damn. Um, kind of like so. My mom used to work in a place actually oddly like this. It's called the Soma Grand, um, oh. and it's in the Soma District in San Francisco. Is it the one with the? Um, it's a pretty large tower. Yeah, it, it like ten years ago was built, right? Yes, and uh, I think they have like hanging pianos. Yep, that's yeah. the one. I entered oh, a con. I, one. I entered yeah. a contest like ten years ago to try to get a, a free year of rent there. Ooh, didn't win. Oh, <laughs> damn. Uh, the area sucks. Sorry. So you lucked out. It's I was familiar with the area. Literally yeah. right next to the Tenderloin. Yep. But like, uh, there most of those apartments that are in there are for sale. They're not for yeah. rent, but like they're these high end apartments, like New York style apartments and things like that. They're like the size of our studio <laughs> and people are paying millions of dollars to live in there just because it's like, ooh, I can see them at all San Francisco <laughs> um, and, and someone shitting on the ground. <laughs> he grabs some sa- some sampling stools, placing some of the parasites into the testing tube, startled by a falling pan from force of apologizing for starting with him. Sorry. Sorry, I startled you. Yeah, uh, uh, my reaction would have been like to pick it up and like smack it because I would have been scared. Because like when I get scared, my initial reaction is just like I'm gonna go hit. <laughs> That's fair. Same. Uh, accusing that she, yeah, Freddie can't go into like haunted houses because he beats oh, up the staff. He beats up the staff. I know he I'm going into them. it, so I actually hold my hands behind my back, and he still punches um, them. He no, headbutts them. No, it's just the there was a time I, I, I grit America someone and he broke their leg. I grit America. So, 
there was a ride and I wasn't expecting because it was like the Halloween haunt shit. Where it's like, I'm on a ride. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this is the vision I have in my head. Freddie said he keeps his hands behind his back. Yeah, I hold my hands behind my back. And then Prince said, I saw him kick Kick, and break someone. So in my view, Freddie is like doing a somersault (laughs) forward to bring his legs higher up. And kick someone and then landing back on his feet all while holding his hands behind his back. Uh, I, I yes. punched one person once and I got kicked out of Great America. Oh my god. For goodness. life? Oh no, just for that night. Oh, just okay. because like I didn't expect him to <laughs> jump out during a ride. He goes he goes they back to Great guard. America, sees that guy, and he's like, Whoa. <laughs> He's in a wheelchair. Frederick, you're back. <laughs> he starts running. <laughs> Accusing that she couldn't let this uh, let his dinner burn. He's like, ha, 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 ha. thank you, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Um, Gilbo, Gilbo are walking down the hall when she notices uh, the parasite slug on her cane. <laughs> she doesn't drop the cane. Her husband doesn't help her. He's just like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> she freaks out, speaking in French, as it slithers onto her arm, biting her as she screams her husband to get it off of her. <laughs> he uses her cane. He, used, he takes her cane to beat the shit out of this fucking parasite, <laughs> stabbing it until it dies. Cut to Janine sitting in the chair reading a magazine while smoking. She gets up to turn on the TV to continue reading the magazine and smoke. Just um, in the other room, Nick gasps in pain with his stomach now um, showcasing holes. Already irritated with the TV be- being on because you're already doing a task, uh, she goes to turn off the TV. Satan and Forsyth are walking through the hall. He wants her to explain to the doorman what happened to her, thinking um, that he might know who or where this man lives. She agrees. He asks, um, he asks her how she is feeling, and she claims to be okay. They're walk- they waiting for the elevator, the door opening to the Gilbo's inside. Um, Maurice Gilbo quickly asks for uh, assistance from Saint. He shares that his wife was attacked by something. Saint checks her wound on her, on her arm as the woman sobs in pain, asking asking them where is it from maurice explains that he um he hid it and carried it uh, carried it on the cane and threw it in the garbage saint mentions that forsyth is a nurse reiterating multiple times that she's um that she's a nurse and then i believe he was doing it because they spoke french mainly was their native tongue mm. um not the fact that he was like frantic because in the beginning i thought it was because he was just being frantic and in the moment and it was just like the the heat of the moment kind of thing this chair is very squeaky, I, but um, with that, I think he was just doing it to like reiterate, like, like I'm saying that she's a nurse. She's a nurse. Go with her. She's a nurse um, because their first language is French. Yeah, I assume. Um, instructing her to to take them back to their apartment to treat uh, Mrs. Gil- uh, Gilbo's uh, for second degree burns. Uh, poor Gilbo, though. Like she was, she was so cute. And she was just like sobbing the whole time. I felt so bad. I was like, I just want to hug this old woman. Yeah. Once you saw the mark on her arm, you're like, oh, it got you. Yeah. Like, damn. Like, that sucks. Like, and she's like, like whipping the whole time. I was like, oh, oh, my God. Like, that just broke my heart. I was just, I was like, I want to hug her so bad. When you were like, why don't you just let go of the cane? But then I, I remembered. Uh, he takes she, the cane from her, but she falls she's on the ground. To the ground. Yeah. I mean, she falls on the ground because she's writhing in pain from this fucking thing. She's like, yeah. "Get it off! Help me, <laughs> <laughs> Maurice!" <laughs> oh, he asked them to. He asked them the number of their apartment. Maurice answers that it is seven zero three. Uh, this was interesting 
shot here where it it goes out to show the apartments outside and mm. i was trying to I, I went back a couple of times where i was like is there anything i'm missing here and i think i think it was just to clarify exposition but it was it was interesting um saint tells forsyth that he'll he'll meet her back there and and to not let anyone in except for him she agrees, asking him where where he will be. He responds that he's going down to the to the garbage while running down the hall. Meanwhile, Rolo is on his way to the apartment. A little girl and her mother are waiting in the for the waiting on the elevator. The door opening up. Her daughter is about to get off, but she stops her, uh, commenting that this isn't their floor. She goes back. She goes back to reading her newspaper, noticing the door hasn't shut yet. She looks back up. The waiter squeezing some food in his hand. I think it's a crepe with like jam inside of it, um, and seductively eating it while entering the elevator. And the woman's like, "Oh fuck." This is terrifying. terrifying. This is really scary. And like the look on her face of how uncomfortable she is. And the fuck, the fucking terror. He's scary. He's very scary. I think he is genuinely the scariest person in this movie. If he was just the villain, like I I would be very happy with that. Him just being the villain. Because he's scary, dude. He's scary. He grabs the woman as she begins screaming. Her daughter pretty much is caught in the crossfire because, like, she's like, ah, ah, like, just like stuck in the corner, just like, fuck. <laughs> he, uh, uh, Forsyth is in their apartment treating Mrs. Gilbo's, uh, for her wound while she whimpers from the pain. Janine falls asleep in the chair, woken up by Nick weakly calling out to her from the other room. She drops her ashtray, going to see him asking if he's awake. He weirdly greets her, mentioning that he's seen, he feels wonderful, wanting her to join him on the bed. She sits next to him. He compliments her, calling her beautiful as he gives her a kiss. He gropes her breast, asking if she wants to uh, make love with him. She uh, calls him strange. He forcibly grabs her, grabs her and picks her up. And it's just like, whoa. Very aggressive. Like super aggressive. And the way he picks her up was like uh, almost intimidating. Because like he's like holding her like you would hold like a bride that you would take into the honeymoon the home, suite. Yeah. Um, and like it's in such a way where even if she tries to wiggle out of his grip it probably wouldn't work she probably wouldn't get out softly commenting that she's his that um he softly comments that she's his wife wanting her to start start because he he claims that he has forgotten how to she cries that she can't take this and is about to walk off he forcibly he forces her back slapping her in the face as he moves her skirt up Now, this scene was hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This scene was a tough scene. She gives in, kissing him on the neck and touching his stomach, which causes her to shriek and fall back. He shouts for her to make love to him because she's she's his wife, pushing her down on the bed and getting on top of her. Getting on top of her. I I got a wave of, like, nausea when I was saying that right now, which is why I couldn't say it. Um, But this is gross. It is this gross. is really gross. Like, uh, you know, consent matters no matter how long you've been in a relationship, no yes. matter how long you've been married. It doesn't, yes. that consent still matters. Like, if your partner's not feeling it, don't do it. Right. You know? And granted, yes, in the movie of this, in the context of this movie, yes, it's a parasite and it's affecting him and things like that. But 
That is why I find this it's so, so hard to watch. Gross. Yeah. Like it's oh, it's so hard to watch. Cut to Saint um, down in the basement with the garage uh, where the garbage is, searching for the shaft for the garbage. A bald janitor fucking <laughs> comes out of nowhere, peeks up from the trash can. He's like, I've been waiting for you, motherfucker. <laughs> Saint opens the garbage hatch door, picking through the trash with a crowbar, finding the parasite uh, within the trash and fishing it out. The man cautiously runs over to the room, grabbing Saint by the neck and throwing him down. He elbows the man in the gut, the man punching him to the ground. Saint spits out blood from his mouth, picking up the crowbar and trying to get up. The man kicks him into the boxes, but Saint tries to strike the man with the crowbar, missing the first hit, but connecting the others, bashing him in the head until the man is dead. I love this scene. You know, I wonder, nothing stated in this moment, but I feel like it's insinuated that this man is gay. I would assume so. Yeah, and I wonder if that is... Kind of reminds me of the, uh, uh, the village people. Um, uh, I think yeah, the band, the bill, the village people, the YMCA people. Mm, gotcha. um, oh, okay, and it reminded me. It actually reminded me of one of them. I I don't know their names. Um, now I have to look it up because I think one of them were, was bald and he was a black guy. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, here he is. He he's in the cop hat. <laughs> that's him he reminded me of him he looked like him yeah so I was wondering this movie would go there if they would attack or not attack if they would tackle um, homosexuality yeah exactly yeah and I feel like it was insinuated here but it wasn't declared and it, it our doctor here looks pretty terrified because I feel like he he does look skirt he thinks the same thing as well and I think a lot of people had incorrect uh, perceived notions of mm-hmm. like you know gay men not being able to control their urges, right. and especially right. with this parasite, right? Like how that might exemplify yeah. that that idea, right? Or um, even how some people classify gay men as weak or or so feminine that they can't hold their own or whatever mm-hmm. bullshit right. like that. Uh, and like, I feel like that is presented here for mm-hmm. sure. Um, so I, I do, I do agree with you. I think you're, I think you're right. But the reason why I actually love the scene is because of how vicious Saint gets. Yeah, like right. with the blood spilling from his mouth as he each blow into this guy's head, and like you just see the blood just like just spilling like from his mouth as he's doing it. And I'm just like, this is vicious. <laughs> like this is like violent. it is, it is violent. It's a this crazy kill. Yeah, this is a violent scene. Uh, he drops the crowbar. Rookie mistake. Before leaving out, <laughs> Janine continues to okay. fight Nick um, off of her, shouting for him to stop. What if this dude just like didn't have the parasite? Yeah, I, <laughs> I also wondered that. Maybe, maybe he's like a survivor too. He's just fighting off. Like you're probably one of them. Maybe. Like that's what I'm saying. It's just like I'm just fucking coming my ass, motherfucker. I saw you fish that motherfucking thing out of there. <laughs> also, very interesting. Well, he little... had, he attacks Satan first, he right? Does. Yeah. He does. There's little Easter eggs of like even there's like a nude photo in the background. It's like yeah, I noticed the movie that just too, has yeah. a lot of sexuality to it. I was like, absolutely. Oh, and it's just a lone nude photo. It's like yeah, nothing, nothing else, else is on there. the wall. Like it's just a that. bare nude photo. He continues to groan for her to make love to him. She um excuse. Uh, she excuses that she wants to she wants to be able to see while while they do it, asking for asking to put her contacts in. He starts to gag. She runs out of the room, sobbing as she goes to put her contacts in in in, in the bathroom. I would have just left. Yeah, I'm I was, surprised she came back. I yeah. was like, wait, what? I had the same yeah. reaction. Where I'm like, girl, you really did go to the bathroom, and put your contacts on. Like, yeah. this is your chance to leave and exit right. the scene, right. right? Like, I thought she lost herself in the bathroom, and then she came back out. I was like, oh. Why? She's very clearly confused and conflicted, right? Yeah. And I, again, like, you know, 
like I had mentioned multiple multiple times before, the conversation of consent has expanded so much. But I think around this era, there was a lot of people that did have the um, thought process of like, yes, I am married. And if my partner wants to have sex, then that's my obligation, which right. is incorrect. Yeah, definitely. She sobs as she goes back uh, to her strange reacting husband, kissing him on the neck as she sobs. He starts to shake as a bloody parasite quivers out of her, out of his mouth, licking the surrounding area of it with his tongue. Janine is like, fuck that. And leaves <laughs> out of their apartment, going straight to Bet's place. Her friend is uh, leaned over a corner. Janine calls out to her cue the slow-mo as she turns around to reveal nothing that was very odd it was very odd i i <laughs> i don't know what their slow-mo was for but it, <laughs> it redeems i guess i don't know maybe but it redeems itself in the pool scene for sure yeah. the slow-mo was oh, yeah, definitely yeah. warranted there downstairs the guard is reading a book stopping when he hears the alarm to the elevator go off the door opens the man uh the woman <sighs> on the floor bloody with enclosed torn staring at him the waiter and her daughter standing in the corner as the girl sadistically eat something as he as the waiter smells her hair uh dude this scene right here is terrifying the waiter runs out towards the guard and the the way he like gets off the wall like he like pushes with his back like all smooth and suave and then like he just runs over to him Picking him up like he was fucking John Cena and like slamming this dude on the ground, um, grabbing him and throwing him to the ground, holding him down as the woman and the little girl leave out of the elevator. The girl kisses the guard on the lips with her bloody mouth. You know, I think they got a stunt double to. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, okay, one hundred percent. Glad you confirmed. You can definitely tell. Oh my, she got really big. Like the close up, it is definitely a woman here now. But yeah, Uh, forces is still with the Gilbos, watching TV, waiting for Saints' return. Someone cuts the phone wires in the building. I want to know who cut it. Yeah, like I was curious about that. Purpose behind it too. It's like. Well, they cut three wires. One, I thought it was the lights at first. I was like, oh, the lights about to go off any moment now, and then nothing happened. But it was that the phone cool. wire and the uh, wire to the, I believe, the doors. Right. I guess this is where like, my plot hole comes into power. Or like, I don't know what this parasite really does, but it's like, yeah, over-sexualizes people and makes them very aggressive, but also makes them like, oh, I'm going to go take off the, the phone. Well, this is but, where it turns into hmm. a quarantine film. At this point, because now true. they're locked in and they have they can't call the cops like there's there's no one who can technically come in now and save them. Yeah. So like at this point, it's a quarantine film. And it, it I think this is fucking genius. <laughs> <laughs> a woman running and laughing maniacally through the hall bangs on the door. Sketch. This was great. That was a great jump scare. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, man. And it wasn't really a jump scare. It was just it was so uncomfortable to hear that. And like how uh, Mrs. Gilbo was like, what was that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like startling all three of them, Forsyth decides to lock the door. She tells Mrs. Gilbo that she's going to call the police. The older couple are arguing in French, French as she tries to call, but not able to get a dial tone. She places, <laughs> the only word that I saw in there was, <laughs> 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 she places the phone back on the hook and getting up and leaving out of the room. Um, uh, to look for Saint. She's running down the steps, calling out to him. 
uh, running inside the car garage into the gar- into the garbage room, falling falling on the uh, on the janitor that Saint killed. Covered in his blood, she backs out of the room. Saint goes to the front desk where Merrick is looking through through uh, some mail. He comments about Saint looking awful, asking him what happened. Saint grabs the phone, shushing him, demanding him to call the police and that he needs help. Merrick doesn't understand. Saint interrupting his concerns, telling him to, uh, to listen to him, reiterating that he needs help and he and he needs it right away. Merrick agrees, walking away. Saint um, gets on the line with Maurice, wanting to talk to Forsyth. He tells Saint that uh, she left lo- she left looking for him. Saint instructs them to uh, stay where they are. Maurice agreeing. Saint runs runs out in search for Forsyth. A group of horny ass red- residents are banging on the old couple's door, shouting and screaming for them. Uh, they continue um, banging on the door bursting into the room as Maurice yells for them to leave them alone. Leave us alone! Aww. Leave us alone! I was hoping the door was going to hold up. I mean, but I knew it cool wasn't, but like, too. damn. Yeah. Back with forces running around trying to find an open card in the garage, like, damn, she was with the shit. She was like, I'm about to steal someone's fucking car to get the fuck up out of here. Like, fuck, yeah. fuck everything. Like, she was leaving the old folks. She was leaving. Like, she was like, I'm done. Like, I'm leaving everybody behind. And, Smart move, honestly. I mean, yeah. yeah, I don't blame her. A man is forcing his way on a woman inside the garage as well. Forces the finds one, starting start the car, which gets the man's attention for a moment before he continues sexually assaulting the other woman. She drives onto the wire or she drives onto the wire that allows the gate to open, but it doesn't open. Driving back and forth onto it, but it's still not opening. She opens the door to uh, check it out, but the guard grabs her door, not allowing her to close it, forcing his way onto her inside the car. Another scary scene for me. Dude, this was also just, it was so intense. Um, although I hate fucking Saint's reaction here. Saint goes back into the garage room, calling for Forsyth and noticing the blood on the door. He runs into the garage, hearing the, her screams coming from a yellow car. He runs over to her, pulling the gun off of the guard, cocking the hammer back as slowly as fucking molasses yep. and pointing at the guard, still not shooting it or saying anything, taking long as fuck to shoot him twice in the back. Forsyth screams, silenced. The man sexually assaulted the woman is spooked at this point. Point, starting his car and trying to get the fuck out of there. Saint backs up, wanting to um, crash through, through the door, hitting the pillar behind them. The man comes blaring down toward them, crashing violently into their car. The man bleeding all over his broken steering, his broken windshield. Dude, fucking no way. Porthos should still be alive right here. Mm-hmm. Like the way it crashed into the car. Looks violent. It, oh my god! The car gets it. messed up. She is, has very bad acting here, though. Like she has, like, she's supposed to be unconscious, <laughs> and her eyes are open, and she's like looking around. She's like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just, it's just, it's so interesting. Yeah, really look at it, Freddie. <laughs> She's still looking around. Zayn is still uh, conscious as he slowly looks around over forces you see. (laughs) As forces um, who's still unconscious or who's supposed to be. Um, It happens again too when Saint is trying to bring her up the stairs and she like doesn't really trust him to have the strength to bring her up the stairs but she's supposed to be unconscious but you can see her grabbing for like the pole. That's really funny. (laughs) Merrick is looking um, for Saint at the front desk. The elevator opens up mr mr wolf and miss lewis come out uh, come out of the elevator looking for him 
He greets them. Meanwhile, Saint pushes the windshield off so they can try to escape. Lewis asking Merrick why he's uh, not doing something about all the noise. He shares that this may be a coincidence um, with someone breaking into their locker earlier. He mentions that he's uh, he has some some of the, his things in their office, offering them to come and check it out to identify them. Saint pulls forces out of the car, and Merrick brings the couple into his orgy-filled office, closing the door behind him. And he's like already prepping up, taking his fucking blazer off and shit. Like, ugh. The group of people grab the couple, forcing them to the ground, ripping their clothes off as they scream and try to fight them off. Saint assists Forsyth out of the garage, cuts Bet's comforting uh, Janine as she sobs into her laps, moving her hips, like swaying and asking Janine, does this, do I feel good to you? <laughs> I'm like, man, what a question. <laughs> Janine agrees that she does feel good. But she's totally unaware of like what she's insinuating. Unaware. Yeah. Completely. In, in, right. uh, but like, once again, no, Janine lightweight with the shit. Like, <laughs> like, Beth rubs her head, whispering that she wants to uh, make love to her. Janine sits up, confused, telling her that she uh, can't be saying that as Beth repeats it while stroking her face and breast. They begin passionately kissing, their throats extending out toward each other. Well, turns out Janine already had the fucking parasite all along. Mm-hmm. Wow. Why do I do sound it. like Aziz Ansari? <laughs> so... Wait, Janine is the shorter hair girl, correct? Yes, yeah. Janine is Nick's wife. Yeah, so you're saying that she had it all along? Why would her neck extend out? Because from my understanding, it, it passed went, over, it passed over yeah. through, kissing through kissing and then through so, and the, the yeah. throat Oh, yeah, shows. I guess that makes sense. It yeah. showed hers first, and then I was like, oh, it probably went up, down, yep. and showed the pulse. Yeah, so like, it, yeah. it transferred over mouth to mouth. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that makes total the sense, lips actually. Are locked. Yeah, that makes total sense. Meanwhile, Rolo is um, taking his sweet time to make it in, um, to the island. Bruh. <laughs> Dude took like four hours to get there. Like, where where is this? Like, <laughs> it's an uh, island. Saint is trying to assist Forsyth to, uh, to the room. It didn't, take, it didn't take Saint that long to get to him <laughs> to have lunch and eat pickles. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's true. Saint is trying to assist Forsyth to, to a room. The odor is... Uh, the odor the door is locked <laughs> uh, so they continue moving to the boiler room carefully uh, walking down the, the steep stairs he finds a place to sit her down stroking her hair as he smirks that they all all they have to do is stay away for all these from all these people wait for rollo and the police to find them why are you smirking like stop smirking saint you're <laughs> weird man rollo pulls up to the starline tower grabbing his things before getting out of his car inside he gets out of the elevator double checking the, the room number for uh for the tutor's apartment he goes into their room the door already wide open he calls for saint not giving a response um he slightly closes the door moving deeper into the apartment calling calling for saint again he goes in, into nick's room noticing nick asleep in bed rollo for some reason is just like trying to introduce himself and shit getting closer to his face to check his eyes i'm just like what are you what are you doing why are you doing that for what real you, i would be like oh shit he's asleep I'm gonna step away a little bit. <laughs> like, like you're weird. He notices that something is moving underneath the blanket, and he's removing. It. He's like, "All right, let's take a look here." And he literally says that, "Let's take a look here." And I know you got the shit. Like, <laughs> removing it, multiple parasites ooze and squirm out of his stomach. Not having the reaction to move the fuck back, instead, a parasite jumps and latches to his face. He screams for help as, uh, and that it is burning as. He, 
as he crawls his way into the kitchen. This is disappointing because I feel like he should have been way more prepared. I do too. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like because he's the one who's like, be careful, they're resilient. Exactly. And just like, you're not careful at all. Yep. Like, you're just like getting closer. <laughs> you're, just, you're, just, you're like, ooh. Like face to stomach, ass pulling blanket back. Yes. Slowly. Like, you're weird. Don't do that. Um, but I do like this particular scene based off of we truly see how painful it is Mm -hmm. because before everyone shrieks in pain and things like that but he's he's giving us cues of what it feels like yeah and we usually get screaming that it burns and how much blood is pouring from his face Mm -hmm. jesus christ yeah and what i was saying earlier was we'll get a cut when someone gets attacked like to a different shot Right, right. And Bro, this, 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 this stays on here. Stay on it, and it's yes. like close-up shots too. Absolutely, grabbing a wrench on the table and pulling the creature off his face, bashing the fuck out of it in the sink. And I really like this part too because it falls out of the sink. He picks it back up and throws it back in the sink <laughs> and starts beating the shit out of it again. <laughs> Nick, uh, uh, Nick wakes up, mo- uh, moving into the hallway while with a hole burning in his stomach. He inches closer, shouting "No!" to Rolo as he yells for Nick to take take it off of him. Nick grabs him, wrestling him to the ground and jamming the creature into his mouth, then bashing him in the head. This a very is, violent scene. This is violent. This is the most bloody scene of the whole entire movie. And I was like, damn, it looks yeah, good. Yeah, like the blood's like splurting in his face it and shit. It looks good, too. This looks like, great. Damn. Back with Forsyth and Saint, he, uh, uh, she shares that she had a disturbing dream of, of her having sex with a strange man. She finds herself having trouble because the man is old, dying, and he smells bad, finding him <laughs> repulsive. She leans in closer toward him, continuing that the man told her uh, that everything is erotic and sexual. She touches his chest, asking him if he, if he understands. He doesn't, he doesn't answer. She continues that, um, that he told her that, quote, Old flesh is erotic flesh. That disease is the love of two alien kinds of creatures for each other. That even dying is an act of eroticism. That talking is sexual. That breathing is sexual. That even to to physically exist is sexual. End quote. She grabs his face as she concludes that she um, that she believed him, uh, then making love beautifully. About to kiss Saint, uh, I would have like realized at this point, like it got you. Like <laughs> about to kiss Saint, her head springs back as she gags the parasite coming out of her mouth. He grabs the back of her head, punching the shit out I of her, literally knocking her laughed. out cold. Yeah. I literally laughed out loud. Same. Same. I cracked up so Amazing. hard at this scene because he literally like pulls her He's like what the fuck from her <laughs> and decks her like, directly Chat. in the face. You know, I do think the lines that she um exerted before she got punched in the face was actually really fascinating i would love for us to talk about it in the post show let's definitely talk yeah. about this in the post show for sure he grabs cl- he grabs a cloth and trying um tying her mouth shut and dragging her lifeless body back up the stairs this is what i mean where she has to like help herself to try to get back up the stairs yeah they walk through the um the hall of lockers the group of people popping out and grabbing them this scared the fucking shit out of me um pulling and i knew it was gonna it was coming but it scared the shit out of me um pulling them both as they try violently uh, as they excuse me pulling them both as they try violently kissing forsyth um saint managing to get away and leaving the nurse behind he makes it back to uh, to the tutor's apartment pulling out his gun when he sees a man forcing himself onto a topless woman 
Though he doesn't do yeah, shit. Yeah, that pissed me off. I was he like, didn't why? Do anything. He didn't do anything in that moment to like protect her. I was like, what the fuck? What are you doing? Instead, he just keeps going inside the apartment. He's like, ain't he, like, my problem. He stops to think about it and then continues on. Yeah, he's like, it's not my problem. Like, he's just like, what? You know, I'm gonna say it. Fuck it. It's because she black. Discovering Rolo's blood and uh, soaked body with uh, with Nick on top of him, Nick gets up. He shoots him three times in the chest and stomach, throwing the gun on the ground before leaving out of the apartment. What? Yeah. Shoots him. He looks fucked up already. You can mainly beat him up. I mean, I mean, I don't know if I would have wasted my bullets on him. But as soon as he would have got up, I would have probably started beating his ass. <laughs> <laughs> but like it. I, I don't know, man. That was that was definitely weird. But that scene where he's um, kneeling on top of his body, wow, holy fuck! That was like the the way you see his face uh, and Rolo's face, even in like Jesus, like he yeah. he fucked Rolo up. Like <laughs> Saint is going downstairs, stopping when he hears two two leashed children panting and barking like dogs. He says, fuck that, and heads back upstairs, <laughs> cautiously moving through the halls, trying to ignore the yelps of, of sexually driven folks. He stops when he sees two shirtless men come, come out of the elevator. He walks backward, the two men following him. Saint closes himself into an apartment. They go up to the peephole, smiling for him to come out, wanting to take him to a party. They, they hear the commotion and start moving toward it. The light in the room turns on. An old man stands up, asking if Saint has met his daughter, Erica. His nice. daughter is on the couch across across from him he tells her to come that come to him as he holds her and starts making out with her this movie is not afraid to really it goes there yeah and it's so disturbing there another fuck that moment for saint he dips out into the hall making it to the lock making it to a locked door he decides to enter the pool room to find uh, find a way out bets janine and forsyth are occupying the pool seductively looking at saint as he tries searching for an exit and i love how they like slowly creep towards him and yeah. like from the pool uh, finally finding one, opening the sliding door, running over up the hill, the moans and groans of the horny parasitic infected people drone toward him. He has nowhere to run except back inside the pool area. At this point, I would have just gave up. Like, I don't uh, think I would. I would back to the up. door he came from and be like, why are you sticking around the pool? Do you think Prince would be like, is it that bad? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, like hey, they look but, like they're having fun. Maybe. If I, <laughs> I mean, look. These people don't look at pain. They like they're doing depraved shit. But like I would have given up in this moment because it was just it, look how many of them there is. There's so many. Bringing it back to the topic of the sexual revolution. Plus I, that waiter came too, and I was like, oh, oh man, he's scary. Going back to the topic of the sexual revolution, right? I wonder if this is trying to speak on like it got to the point that there's no way you can't be a part of it. Mm. And can't be a part of this transition because it's just so overwhelming. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They used to come to it. Yeah. Bet's grabbing his leg as they all rushed inside toward him. Maurice pushing him into the pool with the cane. They all f- funnel in. Um, Forsyth watching from afar. The waiter grabs Saint, holding him, allowing Forsyth to to have the honor to. F- uh, f- of forcing a kiss onto him as everyone else grabs and gropes him. Wow. And and this is where the slow-mo comes back, and I'm like, 
that was a perfect use of the slow mo right yeah. there. Yeah, right. In the garage, Satan forces the leave out of the leave out. Um, she she lights a cigarette for him. The rest of the horny squad right behind them, ready to infect the rest of the world. Newscaster Gerald Keys sharing that there's been waves of sexual assaults happening in the city of Montreal, reporting that it originated in the Starline Islands, spreading in frequency in the morning. Then, credits. What a movie. Dude, this movie. This is heavy. This is a heavy movie. Yeah. I love it. Way to have an apocalypse. I love this movie. (laughs) I love this movie. Like, it, it, goddamn. It was so interesting. Anyway, I got some motherfucking movie facts. Was it? Movie facts. The poster on the basement wall is a centerfold of Playboy Playmates of the Month for uh, October 1971. Claire Rambo. I knew it. I knew you knew it. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say. I really believed you. Yeah, I believed you. Favorite issue. (laughs) (laughs) Found in my father's closet. Uh, Every scene contains something yellow or gold. Oh, okay. Really? I wonder why. Huh. Freddy? Uh, I'll look it up. Thanks, Freddy. Yellow and gold. David Cronenberg cast Lynn Lurie as Nurse Forces because of her haunting eyes and strange screen presence. You know, I very much thought about that, and I was like, that was very much a look. Yeah, that was she, her eyes are pretty scary. Yeah, it, she not I'm not trying to be insulting saying this, but um, at all, but almost like she looks almost alien like. But I think that yeah. was deemed as attractive, to, especially during the time. But y'all know who Lynn Lurie is, right? Duh. Duh, of course it's uh Laurie of Lynn. <gasps> She's in the crazies. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. She was the one on the bike. Oh <laughs> okay, that's cool. She was the one on the bike in the crazies. Uh just real quick with the yellow and gold. I mean gold, there's not much on it with film. It's luxury, precious, stuff that's valuable. But yellow is pretty interesting. It it does both joy and insanity. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh. Mm-hmm. That fits perfectly. The joy of sex and the insanity of Chaos, yeah. That's amazing. I like that a lot. David Cronenberg has mentioned that he believes Dan O'Bannon borrowed heavily from the creatures in this film for his own movie, An Alien. Cronenberg stated, quote, I have to say uh, that some of my images like this parasite ended up in things like Alien, which was more popular than any any of my films um, I've ever, or any of the films I've ever made. But the writer of Alien has definitely definitely seen these movies, Dan O'Bannon. um, the idea of parasites that burst out of out of your body and uses a fluid and leaps onto your face, that's all in shivers. As recent as recently end quote, as recently as a 2015 Collider interview, Cronenberg mentioned how Alien, quote unquote, totally ripped off things from his movie Shivers. Good I on completely you. agree. Yeah, I, I was thinking about agree. it the entire time. I was like, because I saw it yesterday. I was like, we have our face huggers yep. mm-hmm. who like jump out at you and then they go inside your body and they spread. Good on you for bringing that up, Freddie. Yeah, oh, yeah, seriously. That's crazy. Um, I mean, it, what's the coincidence of me watching both movies back to back? That's weird. Yeah, that is a yeah. crazy coincidence yeah, for sure. This is a pretty cool double feature for Alien 2. Yeah, right? hell yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, hey. Uh, let's do a couple more here. Um, Joe Basco, Blasco... Belasco handled the special effects as the, uh, there wasn't a Canadian a Canadian industry in that field yet. "Quote: There there had not uh, been a serious horror film made in Canada to that point." Hmm. All right, that's kind of cool. Uh, ooh, 
let's end off on a slightly juicy one. Toward the end of the film, the infected jump into the pool. According to audio commentary with the crew and critics, many crew members took off their clothes and jumped in. The footage remained in the final cut. That was all the crew? Damn. That's cool. I like that. Wow. That's insane, <laughs> though, to think that they're like, yeah, fuck it, let's value. do yeah, this. Yeah, let's all skinny dip. Because I did see them taking off their clothes before they got in. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be like, let's celebrate the movie, baby. Oh, Damn. Uh, actually, this is the last one. David Gronenberg was was sick with a cold virus um, as he recorded this commentary track for a movie about a plague of another kind. Ooh, a little spooky. too on the nose for me. Yeah. In apartment 1511, where the first incident occurs, the concierge answers the phone at and says 1511. This is also precisely on 1511 in the film's runtime. That I love that. That's amazing. Oh, what? That's amazing. I love that. That's cool. Fuck. But damn, oh my God, on that note, shit. We definitely want to keep this conversation going over on Twitter um, at nightlight underscore pod. That's night with a K. Or over on our Discord server, which you can find in the show notes. It is growing. So please come join us. It is so much fun in there. We're talking about horror movies and shit. We were talking about camping recently. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> summer's coming. Summer's, summer's right behind us. Um, behind but, us. Uh, in front of us, I, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess technically oh. behind us because the summer's also in the past. And always Good in save, the Prince. <laughs> <laughs> but the last film that we're going to be covering for this month is Host, which I am so excited to revisit. I haven't watched it in two years specifically because I knew we were going to cover it eventually on here. I see it a lot. Yep. Um, you've seen it a lot. Uh, but I specifically only watched it twice, once by myself. Uh, for a screener, which I watched it on a computer because it rec- yeah, it recommended that for the screener. Yeah, it said we recommend you watch this on a laptop, and With I was headphones. like, "Whoa!" Really? I was like, "That's interesting." I've never watched it. In for the anyone dark. wondering, yeah, you haven't watched it yet, and and it was like we it, that was a part of it. We recommend you watch this on a laptop in the dark with headphones on, and I was like, "Okay, Wait, have I seen this? That sounds very familiar." It's on Shutter. You you might have, but. It was super fucking popular back in 2020. Oh, I have seen this. Yeah, so we're, you're watching it again. Oh, I'm excited <laughs> to watch this again. So, yes, oh, yeah. we'll be chatting about hosts next week. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knights. Alongside me, we had David. Stay spoopy, everyone. Always and forever, also known as Nightly. Other in there, we had Freddie. Always keeping this poopy. Always and forever, also known as Nighty Night. Our efforts to get the shot is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can f- further support the show over on patreon.com slash goodnightlife. That's not what the okay. You're late. By pledging on Patreon, you'll access the show ad-free and as early as Monday with the post-show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight.